recording this on Canada Day at around 11 a.m. So by the time you hear this, Canadian hockey fans still haven't had anything to cheer about for 29 years. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that goes on the injury reserve for things like a sore throat and a mild cough. I'm Darren Plett, the Flames fan, and along with me today is Stuart Jones, the Oiler fan. How are you today, Stuart? Well, I'm not just coming off IR, so how are you is the real question. <laughs> uh, I feel like I was on IR earlier in the month, but I, I made it off. I didn't have like a torn hip flexor or, you know, like shredded MCL or anything, but I'm good <laughs> now. I'm good. I got over the, the cough. Also, I feel like we should also say like to explain our hiatus, we also go on IR when Tampa wins the cup for two years in a row and we have, <laughs> feel like we have nothing to talk about. True. Yeah, we, we will just go on the injury reserve at the drop of a hat. We, we want on LTIR for that one. We don't exactly tough it out like they do in the playoffs. Did you did you see the list of injuries that Tampa released, which is apparently a new tradition that the NHL does? <laughs> Yeah, it's the, this is our excuse list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I can't really go back on what I said last week about, or last week. Wow. As if we re- release episodes that often. <laughs> last, you know, whenever last that episode. was. <laughs> yeah. You know, back in the day when Edmonton was uh, still in the playoffs about their injury list. But I mean... Tampa looked pretty haggard in this series, right? I, I here, okay. Here, here's something. I do find it a little bit interesting that injured players. There's like this very, very defined line of like top secret classified information to very public. This is totally the reason we lost. Like as soon as you're eliminated, then bam, all these injuries come out and. It just goes from like, oh, no, everyone's perfectly fine. Dry sidles 100%. No questions <laughs> whatsoever. Oh, we lost. Yeah, dry sidle. He had a broken back. He he actually was missing his head. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is what seems to happen. It's so it's well, I should I shouldn't say it's strange because I think we know exactly why they do it. Yes. But it's still like it's it kind of makes you cringe a little bit. It's like, do you have to re- like have a press release about all the injuries after they're done? And I also feel like in a way it's glorifying these guys' gruesome injuries that they battle through, which in my opinion, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they should. I know they're trying to win the Stanley Cup, but don't you want to like be able to walk at age 45 as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely furthers the idea of like, for NHL players that you have to play through it and sacrifice your body, which to an extent, I understand you're a professional athlete. You, yeah, you play through it. You do sacrifice your body, but you should not be to the extent that they are celebrating with these types of announcements. I agree. Yeah. And in case anyone doesn't know, uh, Colorado actually won the Stanley Cup. I, I guess well, we didn't I really lead with that at all. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly a big talking point on this podcast, <laughs> right? Well, again, considering how many years in a row we've been saying Colorado's going to go all the way, Colorado's a great team, they're going to do it, we think they're going to win the Cup. I know for me personally, the the like wind taken out of the sails was because they eliminated the Oilers. So I just could not get behind them as much as I would have any other year. But uh, yeah, props to Colorado. They finally showed up in 
true form like in waves they showed up in the way we've been talking them up like we've been saying they are an amazing team and they have proved that above and beyond uh with this past series against tampa especially yeah they were they were very fast they looked a lot fresher than tampa uh obviously because they had quite a bit more time off before the finals than tampa which i think definitely helped um they have a younger team you know they have Kale McCarr, which helps a lot <laughs> when uh, when he's uninjured and like twenty three years old or whatever, and can skate like the wind. That helps when you have a bunch of guys on either team that are just out there dogging it because they're like again they have torn this and excruciating pain and that. So uh, yeah, Colorado looked amazing, and Tampa still put up a good fight. Like they're far yeah. from done. <laughs> even with the injuries they had i they're definitely going to roll it back next year and be just fine so uh good on colorado we both picked tampa to win um yeah. <laughs> of course we did like why would we pick colorado after talking them up so much <laughs> pick tampa for the three feet and here we are way to be colorado when we stopped mm-hmm. believing in you you finally did it <laughs> been burned too many times by them before i guess yeah anyway we don't have any more predictions to make and we don't have much more to say on the finals because a it ended like a week ago and b neither of those teams are calgary or edmonton so <laughs> i guess we should probably talk about calgary and edmonton and the only thing we really have to talk about is what the heck these teams are going to do in the off season it's kind of going to be interesting for both teams. And we decided we would do kind of like a armchair general manager type of thing where we blindly flail at salary cap sheets and seeing how we could make our team, you know, legal for next year. So Stu, did you actually put any research into this? Or are you just going to fly off the seat of your pants and just tell me what you would do as Ken Holland? Oh, oh, I've, I've got the master plan here. Now, oh. Now, before before I go into this, though, I do want to say, like, about Ken Holland uh, as the true GM, the real GM, until they hear my plan and hire me instead. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people give him a lot of crap for some of the moves he's made, and by no means is he perfect. But I got to say, during his introduction press conference in May of 2019, when he first got hired, he said, the goal is to compete for the Cup in three to four years. Year one, compete for a playoff spot. Year two, compete in the playoffs. Year three, start competing for the cup. And if you look at how that holds up, year one, compete for a playoff spot. Oilers were actually second in Pacific in 2020 and quite literally did compete for a playoff spot when they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks in the qualifying round. Year two, compete in the playoffs. In 2021, the Oilers were this time second in the North and did compete in the playoffs, but the word compete is a bit debatable as they were swept by the Jets that year. And year three, start competing for the cup. And that brings us to this year. And I would argue the getting into the third round is considered deep into the playoffs. And you're now amongst the final four competing for the cup. So I think the Oilers are right on Holland's schedule. But regardless of that, here's what I would do this year, which is way better than whatever that dope Holland is going to do. And, you know, because he's constrained by lame things like reality and what players will actually sign for and what other teams will actually agree to. So none of this will probably actually work in the real world, but I'm proposing it anyways. So here are the signings that I made. I re-signed RFA Yamamoto 
to 4.5 million for four years. Waiting for any pushback. Okay, didn't get any. Excellent. Nope. I I know like I would have to do research to refute this, and I clearly have not. So continue. And then this is gonna fly by excellent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I'll wait. No, I'll pick on something. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Give it time. Uh, I re-signed UFA Brett Kulak to $3.5 million over four years. I signed UFA Jack Campbell to solve our goaltending problem, potentially, for $3.5 million over five years. And now if you're Rain Man or possibly Darren, you're probably thinking to yourself that I'm now over the cap by nearly $4.5 million. <laughs> <laughs> That was where I was going to push back. <laughs> but wait, my last move, in my humble opinion, is my piece de resistance, okay? Ooh, okay. I trade the rights to Jesse Pugliarvi, oh, as well as really the... Dumb. Continue. <laughs> as well as... Don't worry, this trade is going to get better. As uh-huh. well as the a seventh this year and a second next year to the Ottawa Sanders for Connor Brown. But wait, there's more. See, because this trade was not approved by the central registry because it caused Ottawa to be under the cap floor. So as a favor to them, I threw in Zach <laughs> Cassian. <laughs> as a favor. You're welcome. Hang, hang on. The trade was still not approved because Ottawa was still under the cap. So as an additional favor, because I'm so darn nice, I threw in Duncan <laughs> Keith. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> It works out perfectly. All the lines are fleshed out. We've solved our goaltending issue. I didn't have to do any fudging with LTIR or making these guys retire or anything like that, like Holland's trying to actually do. <laughs> apparently, we're supposed to. Apparently, the uh, Keith and Smith are supposed to be getting back to Holland today about their decision on whether they want to retire, which is a very strong word coming from your employer. <laughs> <laughs> Decide to retire, please. Hang on. What were the picks you were sending to Ottawa? Uh, a seventh this year and a second next year. I okay, feel like a second. That's yeah. I, I feel like I had to sweeten the pot a little bit. Yeah. If you're yeah, if you're politely giving them Duncan Keith <laughs> and Zach Cassidy, you might want to also politely give them some draft capital <laughs> to ease yeah. the headaches that come with those two. I, I don't I know. That sounds fair. Yeah. I. I will say I don't think it's a trade that would happen in reality no, but from a not. salary cap point of view. I mean, you did take care of the loose ends technically. So right? yeah. I personally have been fascinated by this Jesse Pugliarvi discourse that's been happening on in the sports sphere. Mm. There's there's kind of like a battle going on in inside Edmonton about whether or not Pugliarvi is good or not because he didn't get a lot of points. But his analytics look really good. And it's like a fierce battle between people, mostly on Twitter, being like, he's garbage and we need to trade him. Or it would be stupid to trade him because he's going to break out immediately and we're going to regret it. So are you on one of those sides? Absolutely not. So uh, <laughs> I, I definitely feel like I need to defend myself here. I, I would not want to get rid of him. I would rather we sign him. I think he is good. Uh, I think he will do even better going forward. He's done nothing but grow and improve. But I also don't think he's really wanting to sign here, which is why I took advantage of it. 
um, and signed Yamamoto instead because I feel like it's kind of in one or the other situation. Uh, realistically for Holland, I, I don't think we're getting both of those, even if he pulls off some magic like I did. Um, so that was the only reason I traded the rights for him because I don't think he's going to be super itching to sign here. I think he's going to be looking for a bit more if he signs here. Um, and he probably has a little bit more opportunity elsewhere um, to play sort of top line minutes. Whereas he's sort of fitting into the middle six ish here. Okay. That's the most reasoned take I've heard for, <laughs> for trading him because like there is a reasonable take there, which is what you said is that he might not want to resign. And also I think that he would probably get more than Yamamoto um, in a trade because uh, he's an RFA and he's bigger and you can see the potential there. And uh, yeah, I like, I'm not against trading Pooley from a Oilers point of view. I just think that the reasons for wanting to trade him are kind of strange coming out of Edmonton. That The fact mm-hmm. that he's not good enough. Uh, he's 24 years old and like, he seems like he's on the verge. And I know that probably to Oilers fans, it seems like he's been on the verge for a while, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you can't just disregard analytics completely. He's right there. He's elite in a lot of like play driving categories. And that usually means that he's about to break out. So I think that whoever picks him up is probably probably going to make off like bandits in a way. Maybe like maybe the trade won't be a steal, but... I think that the player he turns into eventually, whether it's in a couple of years, even is, is probably going to serve them well. So I'm, I've been watching that because I think that's kind of interesting and I would like to see him burn the Oilers when they get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to make a quick comment about sort of the idea of ignoring analytics completely, because this is always such a huge debate amongst hockey fans for sure, but just sports fans in general of whether analytics are worth a crap or not. And um, I saw a post uh, on Twitter, don't remember who from or any of the details, but basically it was making the argument that Colorado, in the year that McDavid was signed, so uh, a few years back, they really started up their analytics department. They hired two of the biggest names in analytics to start a huge department on analytics for that team. And they're saying look at this five, six, seven X years later. <laughs> I really did a lot of research on this bit, but anyway, yes. how long has Connor McDavid been here? I don't know. <laughs> X, X years later, they end up winning Stanley cup. Ergo analytics works, right? Of course, then the exact counter argument is Tampa is absolutely one of the worst teams in the league for analytics. They have very little analytics and they're just coming off back to back Stanley Cup wins and making it to the finals and only losing there. Whereas the top team in analytics, the good old Toronto Maple Leafs, who cannot get out of the first round for the life of them. So (laughs) there's, you know, it's... It's all just confirmation bias. You see what you want to see in you pick a, you pick a team you can make the argument for or against analytics if you so desire. That's true. I think it comes down more to like individual players, but and, and I'm not saying you have to just look at analytics to tell a good player. Right. I, it's it's a tool. Anyway, it's one of the pieces, yeah, right? It's yeah. a tool. I've I've heard a lot about the flames approach to analytics and it seems pretty cool. 
<clears throat> in short, they hired a couple of people to ma- basically make all new software that, you know, takes a player and what they did over the last few years and spits out a number and also spits out a number every game that's like, this is how well they played. And mm. it's this number. And is that cool? Yes. Is it probably useful? Yes. Does that mean that's the only tool you should use when you're looking at who to trade for or who to draft or who to get rid of on your team? No, obviously not, because, you know, numbers can't capture everything that a player does. I'm thinking someone like uh, Chris Tanev, right? Numbers aren't going to tell everything that he does on the ice. And I'm sure that maybe that number isn't as high as his value is. And it probably goes opposite for other players where their value seems high but they're not actually contributing as much as it seems. But anyway, you know, analytics, we could talk about it for a long time, but in the end, it's just a tool to help determine or help sway your decision one way or the other. If maybe you're undecided, I find it fascinating, but not enough to really go into that much. Cause I don't know how math works. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might hurt your prospects in the analytics world <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Also, like designing software. Don't know how to do that either. It all seems very complicated. But I like <laughs> I like the final results when they make it into pretty graphs and things. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I, I also have my armchair GM. Oh, wait a minute. Before I do mine, I need to know what your plan is in goal for Edmonton. You didn't Jack, cover that. Yeah, Jack Campbell. Oh, did you say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw oh, Jack I Campbell. <laughs> I, I, okay, even said, I even said I signed UFA Jack Campbell to potentially solve her goaltending issue. I used the word goaltending. <laughs> okay, I was probably trying to come up with something to say after that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, that, that's my solution. Yeah. I thought when you questioned me on it that clearly that wasn't a good enough solution, but I guess you just forgot about that part. All right. Well, well. I also don't think it's a good enough solution now that I have been re-reminded of it. <laughs> but like, if he can't help Toronto, past the first round is he really gonna help i mean he's a i think he's a better option than mike smith but by how much like i don't feel like that much um i think we have some options with Stuart skinner i think he's gonna be a lot better than nothing (laughs) i didn't know really (laughs) that was probably a poor sentence to start the way i didn't know the end of it (laughs) i think i think Stuart skinner is a good prospect he's gonna uh make a difference and I think this will sort of bridge that. Uh, I did sign him for a five-year term. I did sign him for a five-year term. I pretended to sign him for a five-year term. <laughs> but I think that'll help bridge the gap between um, Smith's bones turning into dust and Skinner ready to take on a true uh, number one position. So, Yeah, that's fair. If you get him at a low enough cap hit, it could be one of those platoon type things that seem very common in the nhl now Mm -hmm. that would probably work i have a bigger i'm a weirdly big advocate for Stuart skinner considering i'm not an oilers fan i (laughs) i don't know why people are writing him off when he seemed to have a perfectly okay year this year and it's like you have a ahl goalie that seemed to do fine in the nhl like he's going to be cheap you have him on your team he's gonna have to play in the nhl at some point or disappear so mm. why aren't you using him, basically? So that's my that's my uh, take on that. But now I will get into my <laughs> Flames plan, and it's it's pretty simple. Um, 
I would imagine the Flames are considering something similar because it's definitely not groundbreaking. Can can I make a guess as to your <laughs> first first point? Yes, it, hit it. it is it back up 10 Brinks trucks to Johnny Goudreau's house? <laughs> it absolutely is. How did you know? <laughs> I I didn't nail down a number because, like, why would I know what they're going to pay him? But I assume it's somewhere in the 10 to $11 million range. And the word has been out since yesterday that apparently the Flames have made a very high offer to Goudreau, and it's all on him now to decide like it's an offer that no other team's really going to be able to match um mm-hmm. so the flames have basically said here's your insane stacks of cash do you want to stay or not you know yeah. call me and, <laughs> and that's what's happening right now and i would i would like him to sign here obviously um i don't want the flames to have to go through some sort of a retooling rebuild thing when we have a guy that just scored like 110 points last year that, you know, could become the best player in franchise history if he sticks around. So yeah, I would back up the Brinks truck for Johnny max term as many dollars as you can feasibly give him without (laughs) cratering your team. So probably like around $11 million, I would guess. Um, I would re-sign Matthew Kachuk for one year for um just over his qualifying offer which is nine and nine million dollars i believe so something around that and i know that's risky because that gets him right up to ufa next year which means he could just walk next year but i think that if you have johnny on board you could have a much better crack at signing kachuk long term as well for next year and the flames cap situation looks way better next year as sean monahan will be off the cap and Milan Lucic would be off the cap and a couple others as well. That would free up a lot of space for you to sign Matthew Kachuk if you needed mm. to. From then on, it's just resigning guys like Manjapani for something I'm thinking like four to four and a half million for four years. That might not get it done. But uh, Brad for Living is a very shrewd RFA negotiator. Like he's got guys in at deals lower than you would think. They would mm-hmm. sign at. So I think he can do the same with Manjapani because as good as he was this year, it was one year where he was that good. And I think that Treliving probably probably would uh, have the experience to get him down to a point where I think all Flames fans would be very happy with the price point. Maybe Manjapani's agents wouldn't be, but <laughs> I don't know how Treliving does it, but he does. And I think they would also want to re-sign um, Oliver Shillington, that one's going to be weird. I don't know. I don't have a clue what they would be able to sign him at because again, one good year after barely playing in the NHL ever and suddenly he's a top 4 defenseman. So I I assume it would be short term like a couple of years and then I don't know what the dollar amount would be, but I assume that Shillington would be betting on himself to try to rake in a big deal at some point mm-hmm. soon. And they would probably re-sign guys like Michael Stone and, you know, guys farther down the roster. But my big move, because all of this can't work unless money goes out for the Flames. They have a decent bit of cap space, but Johnny's going to eat a lot of that. You're going to have to pay Manjapani suddenly and Shillington suddenly. So the Flames don't have cap space to fit all that. And don't laugh at me because I will explain this. But I think the Flames can trade Milan Lucic, which sounds silly, which sounds silly. But 
there is a reason teams would actually want him and it's teams specifically that are at the or underneath the cap floor mm-hmm. and probably won't be getting there unless they take on money and this happens every year teams make weird trades to bring in big contracts for no reason and the reason Lucic would be very attractive to these teams is because his cap hit says 5.25 million dollars so we think oh he's being paid 5.25 million dollars this year in money in a suitcase that they drop off at his house or whatever (laughs) but that's not how it works because the way his contract is structured is the oilers front loaded him a lot of money early in his contract Mm -hmm. and now the flames will pay him three million dollars i believe either today or the start of free agency in real money and then he's owed one million dollars for the rest of the year Mm -hmm. so whichever team trades for him will have the five million dollar cap hit to put on their cap sheet to get them to the floor. And then the owners of the team will only have to pay Lucic $1 million, which is really, that's one thing that those kind Mm -hmm. of teams look for is get you up to the cap floor, but then not actually have to pay you that much money out of their pockets. Yeah. So yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty attractive. It comes down to though, whether he wants to leave Calgary. Um, I know he was modified. No trade, right? Yes. He can nix a lot of trades possibly all of them i'm not quite (laughs) sure um he was pretty close to retiring a couple years ago and then the flames kind of convinced him to stick around and his career kind of got better from there and he was happy that he stuck around but i don't know if he'd want to leave i don't know if like if they said do you want to trade like can we trade you if he would just retire i don't know if he would refuse and stay here no idea but you know, it is techni- it is a surprisingly tradable contract. And I think if the Flames throw in like a second next year, something like you said, or a prospect or something, they could easily trade him to like Arizona or uh, Detroit. Or the one that sticks out to me is Seattle because he's from Vancouver. So maybe he would just want to go back to the Western Coast, be close to where he grew up. I don't know. So if you move Lucic out... You suddenly have enough room to do all the aforementioned things that I said. Just barely, just barely. And you'll have to be filling the a couple of spots in the forwards with um, Jacob Pelche and Adam Ruzicka, which I think they're going to do anyway. So that's fine. And they're also going to have to lose Goodbranson and Zadorov and probably fill those spots with like minimum defensemen but i think they can do that as well so yeah i'm i think that the flames can make it work of course this all hinges on whether or not gaudreau actually signs in the next couple weeks which is uh has got the city of calgary kind of on edge right now i have to say (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that is that is my master plan for the flames and i wouldn't be surprised if things actually play out similar to that with very minimal anything else like I, i'm not expecting a lot of fireworks from the flames besides try to sign your guys move out one big contract call it uh call it an off season <laughs> yeah yeah no i i definitely do not laugh at the lucic deal i totally agree f- financially that teams are going to want him for that reason for the reasons you outline um plus i think you know he is he has shown himself since playing with the flames to be worth 
something. I would definitely say worth a million dollars, which is what this team will have to end up paying him. Uh, worth five and a half, maybe not. But like you said, that's <laughs> that's uh, usually a, a bonus f- uh, for some of these teams that are trying to hit the floor. Um, yeah. I look. I looked up his um, his trade clause. By the way, as of today, uh, he can submit a list of ten teams he can be traded to. As of yesterday, it was only eight teams. <laughs> so that uh, so suddenly there's a little bit more wiggle room in there <laughs> for the Flames. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely not impossible. And his yeah. contract is over next year, so you're taking him on for one year. It's like it's. I don't know. When you bring up trade Milan Lucic, I feel like a lot of hockey fans would be like, yeah, right. Good luck with that. But no, I I totally agree. Yeah. If you actually dig down into it way too much, then yeah, it's very feasible. Yeah. And yeah, with the, with a 10 team list, like that's, that's doable, right? A lot of guys have, you know, five teams or three teams or something like that. And well, they're just going to pick three teams that are nowhere near the cap floor. And so they're, you know, they're not going to, or they're like at, at the top of the cap. So there's no way it's going to happen. So they're essentially cementing their place back home. But with 10 teams, it's going to be pretty hard for him to manipulate that in a way that he doesn't get moved at all. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this off season because, um, if Gaudreau resigns, then it's a bunch of dominoes to see how you can figure out the cap. And if he doesn't, well, that's horrible, but it's also going to be very interesting to see what the Flames do in lieu of him not resigning here. So, yeah, either way, going to be going to be a heck of an offseason here in Alberta. Now it is time for Sellies and Scorn. Uh, Stu, would you like to... Pick one of your sellies or Scorn to start us off with. Yeah, I guess I'll start with the Selly, but honestly, there's just so many things uh, over the past couple of weeks that I could Selly. Uh, like there was the one Reddit user that suggested an all-star weekend event of a ref game refed by NHL players. How could we not <laughs> pass that one up? That's uh, amazing. There was, uh, you know, Woodcraft got signed to a three-year deal. Amazing. Tampa Bay Lightning giving uh, their, all their full-time employees $5,000 to donate to a charity of their choice. That's pretty sweet. Uh, there was another Reddit user who suggested the Leafs should trade for Perry to see how it feels to lose in the finals instead of the first <laughs> round. <laughs> that guy deserves my selling. That's, that's a great idea. Uh, and then there's, uh, I think I'll have to land though on the Denver police department who did a great job sort of maintaining the Stanley cup parade this year. Um, there was this one young kid that they caught on the wrong side of the barrier (laughs) and tried to, uh, send him back over. (laughs) Unfortunately, it turned out to be abs player Bowen Byram, but, uh, I I thought they did a good job nonetheless. And that was just a, a very funny incident. And luckily it did not escalate into somebody getting tased or anything like that. (laughs) I had that down as a funny scorn. So, uh, I mean, (laughs) We we were thinking along the same lines, <laughs> I guess. And to be fair, to be fair to the cop, 
If you don't watch hockey, Bowen Byram absolutely just looks like a fan wearing an Avs right. jersey, as do most hockey players, right? And in fact, he looks like a 17-year-old fan yeah. wearing an Avs jersey and drinking underage <laughs> in public. So I don't blame exactly. the cop at all here. Exactly. Like at least half of the Avalanche team, you would very much question if they're actually professional athletes because or I, was thinking about this, I was thinking about this last night when I was thinking about this score. Hockey has to be the sport where everyone just looks or most people look like regular Joes, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to just pick a hockey player out of a lineup. Whereas in basketball, they're 11 feet tall and right. have like go-go gadget arms. In football, they're all, well, not all, but a lot of positions are like perfect human specimens. And then there's offensive linemen <laughs> who are other perfect human specimens, if you want to look at it that way. But like hockey players, like if you run into Phil Kessel, you would think he's middle management at a Canadian Tire, not a hockey player. Like it's, <laughs> you would be preventing him from getting into a parade too. So uh, yeah, don't don't be too hard on that cop because how is yeah. he supposed to know unless he's a, like a religious Avs fan, right? I think unless the hockey player is wearing shorts and their calves are like tree trunks, then maybe you could notice. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I totally agree. Much harder than the other sports. That's pretty much the only giveaway. That and if they talk and start using hockey slang, like Bardowski yeah. or something. If they smile and they're missing three teeth. or Hey, bud, let me back into the parade, bud. <laughs> That's how you know. Uh, well, that also reminds me, before I get to my score, I have to throw this in here because I saw it on Twitter. Apparently, Bowen Byram, when he was in junior... He he was chirping another player, and I guess this was overheard or something. And he said, uh, "Buddy, in a couple of years, you're going to be working a nine to five, and I'm going to be making nine two five. Stop <laughs> effing talking to me!" <laughs> wow, that's Which, awesome! Isn't that amazing? That <laughs> in junior, solid. I'm st- I'm like 30 years old. I'm still not that witty. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> But the 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 Denver thing also runs into my scorn, which don't worry, it's kind of a funny scorn for the Denver parade, because whose idea was it to use fire trucks as the platforms for players to stand on when they've been absolutely wasted for four days and they're trying to stand on moving fire trucks like going through Denver? They had actual firefighters sitting on top of the trucks holding onto the shirts of the players because they're absolutely wasted and just like stumbling around on top of the fire trucks. If they fall off, they're going to have to add to the injury list on Twitter. So uh, (laughs) whose idea was that? Just put them on a regular low to the ground float like everyone else. It was, uh, it was definitely a choice. Get it together. I don't know who decides that though. Who, who picks that? I don't know. It's probably planned by the team slash city to some degree. I don't think Batman's involved in any way. <laughs> Either way, you very can try blaming him for it for it if you want. Yeah, you might as well. You got you got something else up your sleeve. Do you got a score? I do have a score, and again, I was kind of floating between a couple different things here. Like, I could scorn on the NHL for sending the Stanley Cup to some rando's house instead of Landeskog, because <laughs> apparently they got the wrong address. Or at least what this is what some person claimed on the internet. I don't know. Could be fake, but who would make such a ballsy claim? 
But uh, my real scorn, I think, has to go to the Avs player who set what I can only assume is a brand new record for dropping and denting the Stanley Cup on the way to the team (laughs) photo. The Stanley Cup, as we all know, has been through hell and back, and it has been damaged more times than anyone could imagine. It has history. It has seen some things. But I don't think it's ever been dropped and dented before it even got to the team photo. So I think that's a new record. So that's where my scorn goes. It was a pretty solid dent too. Like he he got yeah. like a quarter of the base dented in. That was that was pretty great. That was a, that's a fun clip to watch on repeat. It just, it doesn't not get old. Yeah, throw in some Benny Hill music and you've got yourself a real great one. Yeah, uh, my Selly is going to be for Boomer at the Fan 960. Um, for those who don't know, Boomer of Boomer in the Morning has, uh, I guess, retired from the show after 15 years. And I'm bringing this up as a Sally because he was amazing. And I loved listening to the morning show. It was hilarious. And they never took themselves too seriously. And I feel like a lot of times sports shows are hard to listen to because they just repeat the same information over and over it's like yeah we got it the the one thing that happened today you've told us 11 times but boomer in the morning were more concerned with just having a good time and like just chatting and entertaining more than making sure you were informed which is exactly what i want from a show is to be entertained and it was extremely entertaining and boomer was the catalyst for that for 15 years and uh He is taking a very well-deserved break now from that job. He has got up at three in the morning, I guess, for 15 years straight, pretty much, which is just horrifying to think about. (laughs) So, I mean, to be able to do that and go in and do a job where you're entertaining and make people laugh from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., like, that's a a special talent. So I'm going to miss him on that show. I hope that they can... uh, I hope that the show keeps going and they can find someone that can not fill his shoes, but, you know, do their own thing and keep it entertaining. But yeah, my celly is for Boomer. That was a a great show to listen to. And I listened to a lot of it over the last at least 10 years or so. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. As an Oilers fan living in Calgary, you wouldn't think that sports radio would be part of my daily reportee. But uh, yeah, when... I was doing my morning commute. I was listening to talk radio, sports radio in Calgary, in the away city. And it, it was amazing. I, I love that show. I love Boomer and the gang, if you will. Um, so it was very sad when I saw that that he was retiring. But as you said, well-deserved for sure. Uh, and it was also very sad when I moved to Edmonton because then I had this like sports radio that you know tried to take itself too seriously. So <laughs> <clears throat> there you go. Maybe we should move in on the morning so- show, Stu. We don't take each other seriously at all. That's true. I guess we have that leg up. That's pretty much all we have going for us. <laughs> you make the pitch. I'll, you set the meeting. I'll be there. I, I will try. I do have contacts. I have Ryan Pinder's number in my phone. I will probably, right. He will probably block me after I try to get a hold of him. Let's get our Battle of Alberta army or whatever we decide to call them to start tweeting <laughs> tweeting seven tweets to uh, to the channel and uh, see if that gets us anywhere. All seven tweets. <laughs> All 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Battle of Alberta podcast. You can find our podcasts on any podcast app as well as www.thebattleofalbertapodcast.com. The NHL draft goes next week, so sometime after that we might have a new episode. Stick around to find out. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the Battle of Alberta podcast. We really appreciate it, and we will catch you in the next episode.